means you are believable of God's word and believe in life. Your humility is to take God's word as it is. Tongues and prophecy go hand This is Young Ecclesia Nation. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration by Pastor Adudu Essien. God bless you. Hello everybody. How's it going? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you. Glorify your holy name. Uh, holy Spirit, ask to have your way. Um, just do what you only can do. And um, just have an awesome time in you. I surrender, yield myself, my body. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. How many of you have been following the Jesus vitamins for the past seven days? The vitamins for the past seven days. Okay. Eh? Yes, his will be done series for the past seven days. Eh? Follow them. How many follow today's one? You read today's one. You but boy, without your iPhone, you cannot follow vitamins. Have you? Can you see your life? Yeah, you should. Go, I should degrade you back to touch light. Anyway, I won't do that. So, you see, we're doing the Will of God series, the Will of God series, Will of God series, and um, today I really went into some certain details about. Okay, I was talking on relationships, amen. So, someone here was saying continuation of Friday night. I don't know why that person behaves like that. Friday night continuation, amen. But I was talking on relationships and I was explaining from the angle of the will of God. Do you understand? Because you see, the same way every single person here has a will. Will means you have an ability to choose, to decide, to desire. You want something. It's a will, your will. You understand? The same way God has a will. God designed you and He put the same thing inside you. You understand? Put a will inside you. So you have a will, amen? You have a will. But then, the, the, the purpose of your will is to subject yours to his. Your will is designed, you understand? Because you see, let me even say it like this, that if you are a robot, it's, it, there's no, there's no um, what's the word? There's no worship there. But when you as a person who has a will, willingly comes under, that's worship, you understand? It's a willfulness, there's a willingness, you understand what you say, you look... As just to say in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. You come under his will. You by yourself decide to submit to his will. You understand? You acknowledge that he knows best and you come under. That is how we're designed to be. That is our design. Amen? Sometimes the will is not even pleasant. Sometimes the will means death. I think I, I dealt with that in the first three. Sometimes his will can be death. His will can be suffering at times. Do you understand? But then the thing about it is that God, when you come from that place of understanding the concept or idea of God, and not just the fact that God is God, but God is good. Are you with me? Um, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. When you understand the fact that God is good, that He is good personified, you understand? You know? Good, the idea of good is God. You understand? God is good. Good is God. You cannot mention understand good without looking at God. And you cannot, you understand, look at God without understanding that he's good. Do you understand? Uh -huh. He's good, he's just righteous, he's holy. So when you understand that concept, you know that he's 
desire unto you is the best ever. Nobody can have more pure intentions towards you than God can. Nobody can have better desires towards you than God has. Nobody can have better intentions towards you than God has. Nobody. Nobody. Let me say that you yourself cannot have better desires and intentions for yourself than God does. You can't. It's not possible. God is perfect. Your parents are not perfect. Sometimes their own desires for you, to them it's good, to God it's not. To them it's good, but really if you look at life, it's not. Yes, some parents have, because of the love for their children, hidden their children to the point that their children cannot function in society. Yes, they've caged them that they cannot function or operate. You understand? Some have caged them from making friends. Some have caged them and told them, you must they put them in a the mood. You must study this course. You must do this because I love you. You know, but that's why Jesus, when he said, he says, this is one commandment I give. He says that you love one another. He said, not as yourself. You see, under the law, it was love your neighbor as yourself. But when Christ was from the dead, he said, love one another as I have loved you. You see that? Because his love is perfect, so we learn from perfection. Perfection now dwells in us, so we move from perfection. He says, as I have loved you, sacrificial. When he died on the cross, he led the perfect example of love. Sacrifice. You understand? And that sacrifice came because the Father deemed it so. So you see that sacrifice was connected to the Father. It was the will of the Father that bettered that love. So love always sets the example. God sets the example. You cannot love more than God. You cannot desire better than God. You cannot will better than God. God is the embodiment because he is love. He didn't say, you know, in the Old Testament, they were very, they say God is mighty, God is this. In the New Testament, they don't say all this. They just say God is love. That is how they describe him. The purest expression of God is love. That is how you can describe God. You say, use one word to describe God, love. That is it. If you cut God like cake, you see love inside. That is it, love. And his love is perfect. His love is pure. His love is not, human love is tainted. Human love is selfish. There is no way, look, let me tell you, an unbeliever cannot love the way God loves. It's not possible. His love is selfish. Even when he's making a sacrifice, his love has self inside it. His love is twisted. Yes. When it comes to relationship, it's still twisted. It's selfish. Many times, the reason why you don't want someone you love to get hurt is because of how you feel when the person gets hurt. So in the end, it comes back to you. Have you seen that? It comes back to you. It's really about you, not the person. So I'll do anything for you. No, it's because you know that if you see that person maimed, you know how bad you feel. So the only place we can find that purity, how pure it is, you understand? Love that expects nothing back. The love has, that has no, no hidden motive. You know you really can't discern why a person does anything for you, right? You can see if a guy that is very nice to you, doing things for you, doing things for you, doing things for you. It's very nice. Everyone is nice that boy in his heart. You don't know why he's being nice. You don't know. You understand? You don't know. You really don't know. Bible calls, Lord, they say the discerner. Is the discerner of hearts. So, purity, love, the purity of it is from him. It's from him. God is love. When you understand this fact, you now understand that when it comes to his will, his will is perfect because his will is love. You understand? There is nothing that God does that is not out of love. There is nothing that God says to you that does not come out of love itself. Let me even say it. When he says something to you, he's loving you. His instruction is love. 
when he sent himself to the cross to die, it was love that, you understand? The instruction was a gesture of love. Whenever God instructs you, he says, fast, pray, do this, do that, you understand? Don't do this. Those are, he, those are actually gestures of love. You understand? It's from love. He says, no, no, wait. It's from love. He says, no, you know, go. It's from love. He gives instructions. The word, when you see the word, there is no instruction he gave us in the word. You understand? That is not laced in love. That is why you read a love story. When you read your, the scriptures, you are reading a love story. As you look at the scriptures, you are looking at love. So instructions that are given, and you understand, it's from a place of, let me tell you, your parents can never have that level of purity. All of us are walking towards spiritual growth where we'll be able to walk in what we have inside of us. You understand? But when you're looking at God, you're looking at the perfect state of that thing. Perfect. It says, greater love has no man and this to lay down his life. Let me use the selfishly for his friends. It says, <laughs> God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died. No expectation. God's love is, he has zero expectation. Let me say zero. Zero expectation. Instead, he's more convinced that, he just, that, that you cannot resist his love. He knows that when you know how much he loves you, there will be a response. But if, let me say this. If you, if you do not, if whatever you do, with all the things you know and everything, if you decide to go your own way the rest of your life, do your own thing and everything, it doesn't change God's love one bit. His love doesn't shift. His love is not like, it's not reactive. But oh, today are nice, you're good, you know? Many times we, we, we read the kind of love that people love us with and our parents, we read that into God. So we, we see a reactionary God. People are reactionary. The best of us are reactionary. Yes. You know, there's this thing of where someone does something to you, you get angry at first. Ah! Then after a while, you come back and okay, let's. That doesn't. That thing doesn't happen to God. It doesn't. It doesn't. You do good. Mm, I love you. You mess up. Become an author. He doesn't. He doesn't hook. So hook. It's just love. And so when you understand the fact that he's love, his will becomes easy to follow. His will becomes easy to follow. Because you just realize I'm a dumbo that I don't follow the will. <laughs> you understand? Yes. I'm a dumbo. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man but ends in destruction. So a way can seem right to you. You think you know what you're doing. You think you, you know. Let me even say this. For you to make a perfect decision, you must know everything. Let me say this. Let me say it again. For you to make a perfect decision, you must know all the factors to that decision. You must know everything for you to make a perfect decision. Think about it. For example, you, are, you know, you want to decide on... Um, um, which school to go to, right? And you say, I have a passion for talking. I have a passion for, you know, I, 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 I want to defend people. So because of that, you go and study law. You say, I'll study law. That's what you want to do. I'll study law. But every time you pray in your heart, it's just computer science, computer science, computer science, computer science. And you're like, ah, no, I'm, I, I have a passion. I want to, you know. But you see, your brain is myopic. 
Your mind can only, is only factoring in something that you're good at. Do you understand? Something you're passionate about. Your mind doesn't factor in the future. Your mind doesn't know the future. The one who knows the future, who is beyond the future, beyond time, sees that, no, this is what she needs. You understand? And it's nudging you in your present and telling you, look, do this. But you're like, ah, no, no, no. You see, this is what I want. There's a way that seems right to a man. It looks right to you. It looks, but you are not, you, because you are not God, you are not at that place to make a perfect choice. It's not possible. His will is from eternity. Your will is in time. It's eternal. From eternity, it looks. And he knows. Oh, no, no, no. That, 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 that. You don't know tomorrow. You don't even know the next 10 seconds if you still be here on this planet. You don't. So his will is, you know... <laughs> His will is a beautiful thing. God will say, your will be done. Look at Jesus. God becomes a man, comes on the earth as a man. And he keeps on telling them for three and a half years, I'm going to die. In fact, he lived on the earth for like 33 years. For 30 years, he knew he was going to die. Can you imagine a man living every day for the day he will die? For 30 years, he knows he's going to die. When he begins his earthly ministry, he tells, I'm going to die. Peter, I'm going to die very soon, you know? Very soon. He said, they will take me, they will flog me, they will beat me, they will do this. He keeps talking about it for three years. And you would think this guy is, you know, he, he has it. Then the time comes, okay, die now. <laughs> and the guy says, man. <laughs> and the guy retreats into a bush. He says, guys, we need to pray. He says, my soul is in agony, in distress. The will that he has been talking, I know the will, I know the will, I guess to the point. And he's so tempted because you see, the Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts any man. However, because he became a man, he could be tempted. And the Bible says he was tempted at every point, yet without sin. So at the Garden of Gethsemane, nothing was a temptation. Because you see, there is actually the, the tempter, the Bible calls the guy tempter. The tempter's own assignment is for you to go your own way. That is what he's supposed to do to, do to you. To just help you to be tempted enough to go your way, to see your way as right, to see your way as the way you understand, to deviate from God's plan. That is just his work. If he can distract you, distraction is just deviation from God's plan. That's what it is. Distraction is deviation. If he can distract you, he has you. You go back to, you know, Eden. What did he do there? You understand? Man was given a choice. He says, of all these trees, you may freely eat. And by saying that, he's saying, take life. There's two choices, life and death. It says, choose life. And the serpent comes and says, did God say? It says, forget God. That means discredit what he said. What does God know? You understand? It says, you, you know what you want to do. You know what you want. He fed their desires. I would say, the woman looked and saw that the fruit was desirable, one to make one wise. You understand? It was a desire of hers. All he did was just present an alternative, which is, and the alternative usually is what you want. Do you understand? Yes. It's what you want. It hasn't changed. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, you have Jesus there. And he's like, he said, if it be your will, if it's possible, he says, take this copy away from me. That means, let's find another way around this thing. And that's what, when, when life comes, there are many decisions that come like that. It's like, let's just find a way. Let's just do something else. You understand? Maybe who to marry? Let's just, can't I just go with this? You know, can't I just? 
It could be dead. You know, it could be anything. But in the end, you know what he says? He says, not my will, but yours be done. And this is God talking to God. Though. He says, not my will. Even God subjected himself. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He says, I know you know better. Because at that point, think about it. Why didn't he want to do it? It would have been painful. Do you understand? It's have been painful. It would have been costly. It would cost him his life. It would bring him shame. He was going to come before people that he had been, you know, dazzling for three years. People he, who could not kill him. And he would willingly surrender for them to kill him, to beat him, to mock him. They would hang him on a cross naked. They would shame him. They would scar him beyond human recognition. He would also go to hell and suffer. Who wants that? But you know why it was good? Because it was the will of God. The will of God does not mean that there's no pain involved. It doesn't mean that there's no pain. It doesn't mean that. But because it's God that said it is good. Yes. Because God says it's good. Yes. Powerful statements. Not my will, but yours be done. The most powerful statements you can think about. And that statement is not as powerful in God's mouth. It's powerful in your mouth too. Because in surrender, that's where power comes. Amen? <laughs> yes. In his own case, the Bible says, for the joy he said before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. So even if he knew the will of God, you understand, in his own case, he even knew why. And let me say, it's not every time you know why. Why would God have me do this? It's not every time you know why. And that's also why if you're a person who does not have a relationship with Jesus, I mean an active relationship with Jesus, you're already at a disadvantage because it means you cannot even know what the will of God is. You can't. And I said when I was writing those devotions, I said that there are two major ways that the will of God is made known to a person. The first one and primary one is the word. It's the word. The word is his will. It's the word. The word. What's your will? Check the word. If you're not acquainted with the word, let me say this. The word is the map of your spirit. The, map, the word is the map of your identity. You understand? The scriptures are the map of who you are. It's the map. It's the, it's the let me use the word, it's your DNA put out. So for example, I don't know, I'm just drawn towards this area of marriage. Drawn towards this area of marriage. I'm drawn, I'm drawn. I'm drawn. So for example, you want to date, you want to enter something, you want to, and it's, Pepper them gang, the body they pepper person. Pepper them gang. You want to enter something. You understand? You have the desire. You made the calculation. Hmm. Mr. Eisen says, finish university. I finished. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm talking to somebody. Yes. Talking to somebody. I finished. I'm done. He said, go spiritually. Ah, uh-uh. ah. I have three fellowships. He said, what else? He said, mature emotionally. Ah, I think I'm pretty stable in that area. Everything checks out. Everything checks out. So you're like, yeah, I think right now I want to have one. You know? But there's the will of God. Are you with me? I wrote something on my status. I said, there are two things I need for marriage. One, walk in love. Number two, 
learn the leading of the Spirit, you are good. It's not all the 24 keys on how to find a good spouse. Because you can find 20, even 24 keys and it matches exactly and the person is not right for you. I'm telling you. Find a very godly person. Everything is good. Everything is... But you see there's a signal on your inside called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> who lives, dwells in eternity. Who is eternal? You understand? And knows that the, the remaining rope of your years, which is about 70, 80 years, he knows that within that time, this is not what you need. And so he's giving the buzzer. I was telling someone today, I said I've been in several relationships, several, several, like not been in several, then I've wanted to enter into several. Because then I was out of school, right? I had been studying on relationships for, since my school days. I was a, even from school, I could tell you, I could just listen to you for like five minutes and tell you whether a relationship will last or not. Yes, I was listening to you for like two, five minutes. I'll ask you one, two questions, I'll ask you, ask you uh, I'll say to break up, don't worry, forget it. I could predict with accuracy and tell you that this will not work or work. That is how much I'd invested myself into these things for relationships, learning about them, knowing about them. You understand what to look for, what not to look for, this and that and that and that. I could tell you, I could coach you, I could hold a seminar on it. That was how serious. Someone like Miles Moreau, I'd consume all his materials on relationships, everything, over and over again. I could preach things, I could tell you. Yet I was done with school. And when I'd see a person, like, everything matches in my brain. Everything I've, you know, that I'll probably say in the same, matches in my brain. Didn't tick, 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 everything. But you see, the Holy Ghost is also the person who knows people. Do you get what I'm saying? He knows people more than you. So while, you know, how do you know things tick? You're looking at it from, you know, what you can see. So you're ticking it by yourself. You're ticking it. Okay, yeah, loves the Lord. You see the guy comes, he's even sweeping church and crying in worship. Oh, yeah, we love <laughs> The guy loved it, he took it. You understand? You see the guy is doing this one, doing that one. The guy is loyal, serving everything. The guy has been... And you look at all those things. But you see, there's something called the heart. This thing called the heart. Something called the heart. That you cannot see. You can't. In the heart, that's where motives come from. That's where motives spring up. You don't know. Sometimes the person, the person you're looking at does not know himself. Sometimes the person you're looking at does not even know what he or she is capable of. They don't know. Till a certain point. But the Lord knows. He does. And that's why believers should not have the same anxiety as unbelievers when it comes to choosing someone for a relationship. You shouldn't have the same anxiety. You shouldn't. You know why? Because you are led. Someone say, I'm led. You are led of the Spirit. The leading of the Spirit is the will of God. You are led. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It means I'm always led. So I know. See, let me tell you, in all of you right now is the information, the, 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 the information of who you will marry is already inside your spirit. Do you know by your spirit, you already know the date, the time, the person, you know? Yes. By your spirit, you already know. It's already inside there. It's just that for the sake of wisdom, some things are not unveiled to your mind right now. Uh-huh. Yes. You can know the amount of years, you can know the amount of time. It's there. It's just there. The only reason why us on our part won't tell you so that you know, I was in a meeting where the guy, you know, a lady, she had been divorced. And he said, I know your next husband. I know his name. I know everything. I said, but no, I won't tell you. Before anyone with this name is starts saying, ah. <laughs> no, I won't tell you. You can't know. It's already in your spirit. Do you understand? Sometimes those things are not made very clear to you because of trust. God just wants to come, come, let me show you. You get. 
Let's come, let me show you. There are things that even I don't know about Yen as a ministry now. Because the Lord is come, let me lead you. Don't worry, just come. No need to bother with all the details. You get what I'm saying? No need to bother with how big it's going to become, which countries it's going to enter. Because Yen has already been known to be, it's been said many times as a worldwide ministry. It's going to be massive all over the world. And in my tiny brain, I don't know how that's going to happen or how it's going to work. I don't. I can't predict it. So I, I, I don't even bother to figure it out. I don't bother. You understand? I don't bother. Because the Lord is like, your brain is too small to come. Come, let me just lead you by the hand. Come, little finger in my hand. Come, let me lead you. You understand? The same thing in every area. Like God wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. Because he knows best. He's love. You understand? You're following love. Love is a shield. Amen? Yes, love is a shield. His will shields you. His love shields you from things. It's a shield. It's like, no, 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 come, come. Let me lead you by the hand. Come. Relationships, finances. You understand? Yes. And that's why I really feel for a person who knows the will of God, I will not do it. I, 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 I weep for you, honestly. I weep for you. See, if the will of God is for me to empty my account today, everything, my savings, all of it, <laughs> I may just maybe roll over in my sleep one or two nights. I'll do it. I'll just do it. If I'm convinced it's his will. You know, the time that I just received, somebody gave me some nice perfumes. About two, oh, rich perfumes. Inside a box, two different scents. Beautiful thing like that. You know, gave me as a gift. And I was already, ah, I mean, I like perfume. I was like, ah, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to. And then I have a mentor, and the Lord just put in my heart, give him one. Now, the funny thing about that, the two of them, the bottles, they are, they are new. No one has used them before, but the bottles were very scratched. Do you understand? Like, very, very scratched. And the pack it came in was not... And this is the mentor I know that has a Range Rover. Has some certain... I'm like, okay, let me just carry money and go and buy... Do you understand? Find the exact perfume, go and buy the brand new one and give. This thing bugged me for like two, three days. I said, no, that one, give it. That one, he kept on nagging me like this. Eh? So the day I was, because he, oh, he runs a church, I just, I just put, it in the, put it in my bag. <laughs> I said, I'm not giving. I put it in my bag. The whole day, he kept on increasing, increasing, increasing. So finally, he came. I had to literally beg someone and I said, please, Edward, this thing is not. <laughs> it's just begging him, baby. And I said, oh, thank you, gave me. Connected, he took it, and that was it. And then that's when the thing went down. It wouldn't have made sense to my mind. Do you understand? It didn't make sense to my mind. Why that? Why that one? Do you get? Why that particular one? I could have gotten something. But that one, it didn't make sense to my mind. However, it was his will. Because you see, it doesn't make sense to you, but it makes perfect sense to God. So it doesn't just make perfect sense to God. It is perfect sense. It, is not, it doesn't make. It is perfect sense. God's will is perfect sense. You understanding the fact that you are fragile, finite, you understand? The fact that your mind is, is limited should humble you enough. It should tell you you don't know everything. That alone should put you in a place that you say, you know what? Yes. And that's why the wisdom of God in the Word is, is, is... For example, the Lord says in Hebrews 13, He says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some. In other words, don't forsake the church, you know, Find a church, find believers, find a fellowship, find a garden, be part of something. You understand? Come under spiritual authority. 
Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit to them for they watch for your souls as those that will give account. You would understand it like in your brain, like why do I need somebody over me? Why should someone tell me what to do? Why should somebody tell me to sit down here and go away? You know why? I wrote something on my, on my status the other day. I said, if you are here, you have more reverence for your boss at work because he pays you. And you have no reverence for spiritual authority. You're a hypocrite. I said, because the one that called the person, called that pastor, is go, you're going to stand for him one day. It means you sell yourself out to authority. That's what they're doing. You sell yourself out. Because someone is going to pay you. Sell yourself out. Say, sir. Say, do Michael Jackson. Do it like, you know. You know, frog jump. You will hold your two ears for 200k. You will do frog jump around the office. They will shout at you. You're very stupid. You say, married man. Married man. Three children. You're very foolish. Very stupid. And the pastor says, be in church. 6 p.m. Say, all these pastors think they are God. They think they are God. They think they are God. Say, all these, one man, no man. They won't be accountable. They won't shut your mouth. Church is still the body of Christ. It's still the wisdom of God. Your wisdom, what do you know? You know, someone, my pastor wants to like that. He said, when somebody gives their opinion outside the world, they ask them, say, what part of your opinion created the universe? Yes. What part of your opinion formed the star? Shut up, my friend. The word is his wisdom. It is. Why, why must I? Why must I? Why must I? And when it comes to sex, why must I? Ah, ah, what, 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 what? Be watching, stupid. Yes, be watching, stupid. Yes. Because if you want to know a stupid man is the one who has deviated from the word. That's how you know a stupid man. Someone who has just chosen to ignore the word. That's a stupid person. That's just, honestly, you even see, you see that a person who ignores the word is not intelligent. You just actually see it in their reasoning. There are components of the word that must be in your head for it to be intelligent. I'm telling you. You see, apparently you see all these atheists. There's no God. There's no God. With everything I see, there's no God. There's no. I'm like, what kind of dumb? Like, it just, it amazes me how devoid of intelligence they are. Because you are lacking the components that made the universe. You are lacking the, the, the mastermind. You are lacking those things. It just makes me, I'm like, ah. this thing called the will of God, what he wants, his desire. His desire is not like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like you have a parent, for example, that tells you, study this. Because he wanted to study it, could not study it, so he wants to live his life through you. That is a selfish desire, you understand? He doesn't mind truncating your own, you know, shutting down your own life so his own life can continue. That is a selfish desire. But when God has a desire towards you, it's not, there's, there's no ulterior, there's no selfish motive inside desire. Do you understand? His desire is, oh, what, what's the best for you? What's, what can we do for you? You understand? How can I help? That is how his desires come. That is the bedrock of God's desires. They come, you understand, from good. They don't come from, you know. Think about it. Even your own desire, even you with the Holy Ghost inside you. Sometimes think about it. Why, why do you do certain things? Why do you think of, why do you want certain things? You understand? Yes. Why, why, what's your desire? Yes, let me tell you, I can, I can find selfishness in any desire. Pick any desire you want. I'll find selfishness inside it. Leave that there. I'm not talking about that one. 
But you know, like um, someone that is doing so when you're preaching the gospel, so that the pastor will tell them. Yes, it can be someone that, that will now take the gospel that is a pure, he will take it and begin to ah. Doing so winning, so winning of the month. You know, if we do so winning of the month here, <laughs> and that person will say, Oh, God, you are trusty. Some people here, you see, you see that thing rise up. The next thing, you are there talking to you, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, not because you love the person in front of you, but because you are thinking of the end of the month. So you even go there, you speak, the Holy Ghost, you even call names, date of birth, everything. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Person will get saved. Yet your motive is wrong. What is our response to the will of God? It's called surrender. It's called surrender. We surrender to it. There is safety in surrender. Because we have a will. You have to go? Okay. Because we have a will, you understand? There's a fear of relinquishing our will. There's a fear of, you know, that independence. There's a fear of just letting it go and letting someone run your life. Especially if you've had someone who ran your life and ran the wrong way. There's a fear of letting someone run your life. But honestly, the best person to run your life is God. It's not always fun. In fact, many times it involves sacrifice. Many times it, it, it involves you going in blind. You don't know why. You're just going in blind. It says do this. The word says do this. You understand? It doesn't make sense that you have 10000 in your account and you have it in your heart to give the whole 10000 It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to give up something that you, you desire, that you care about the most. It doesn't make sense. But because it's God's will, it's perfect sense. Are you with me? It's perfect sense. I don't know who needs to hear this, you know, hear that. And of course, let me give you reasons to surrender to that will. I'll give you a reason. And something is what I've been writing on, but I'll give you a reason. You understand? Um... My anchor scripture is always 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, verse 15. It's a verse of scripture I've been using this period, and I think to me this is the fulcrum. This is the reason. This is why your will cannot be your own. So it says, and that he died for all. It says that they which live, so he died so you may live. Are you with me? He exchanged lives. He died that you may live. So he died for all, right? And they which live, he says, should not henceforth. That means before then, you were probably living for yourself. You understand? He says, should not live for themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. So it means that salvation saved you from you. Salvation saved you from your desires. Salvation saved you from your will. Because your will is destruction. Sin is disgusting. Yeah, we don't want that. You know, Satan is disgusting. We don't want that. We're safe from that. When he says he died for us, hand for that, we should not live for ourselves. It means living for yourself is actually terrible. Living for yourself is disaster. Living for your desires is a disaster. He saved you from it. You know, you should rejoice. You should rejoice. Oh, I'm walking in power. Walking miracles. I live my life of favor. I know. They say we are rejoicing. Oh, 
You know those matcha, 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 matcha. You know that song now? Uh-huh. What that song? Oh, matcha, matcha, conquer the devil. Matcha, matcha. The same way you are rejoicing that the devil is defeated. Rejoicing. Oh, you know. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. You're happy. Oh, you won it. Oh, I've been Christ. You're happy. The same is the same way I sing that song. Boyfriend beats. Beep, beep. Meets me at. Oh, you have won it. Oh, for. Yeah, you know. Uh, please, no mistake. I don't hate the concept of a boyfriend. I just think that my wife is my girlfriend. Amen. You understand? I just think it's done properly. That's when I I I love the concept. But when people are in a position where you're going to be having sex with each other, I don't mind anything. I don't think I'm I'm for that one. I don't think God is for that either. Amen. But that's the whole idea. You get. He saved you from yourself. He saved you from the destruction of you living your life for you. He saved you from the destruction of making your own choices for yourself. Because you don't know jack. Even the best doctors are making mistakes. You see a man that has been doing surgery for 60 years can still forget something inside a person's body. Can still impair a person's body. Can still make some crazy mistakes. Yes. You know sometimes uh, when you came out of surgery... Or he came out of something. Doctor, that the doctor didn't make a mistake when he was doing something. He should have not. He should not have done. He did it. So when he comes out, he'll tell you he won't tell you the mistake he made. He'll say, "Oh, this is the result of the surgery. This is the result of this or that." You get. So the nurse said, "This is what we could do." But he knows in his heart there are mistakes he made. If he didn't make those mistakes, he would have been better. The best of us make mistakes. The best of us don't know everything. It's foolishness to think you do. It's foolishness. It is. So, he says, henceforth that you should no longer live for yourself. So, there should be a celebration. Oh, you're going to say, I give myself away so you can use me. What I'm trying to say is that, look, guy, I don't know Jack. I don't know Jack. You know it all. Use me. You don't know anything. You don't. Living for you is... <laughs> Let me say this. The believer lives to glorify God. The unbeliever lives for self-gratification. He lives for survival. How can you go through this life and the only thing you're living for is just anything? Else? No, no, no. no. It's the low, let me tell you, it's the lowest, it's the basest form of existence to live for you. The Lord calls us up to something better. He says, live for me. Because we're never designed to live for us. Yes. And that thing reflects in everything. It says you don't live for yourself. That means in other words, you're not in control of certain you're not you think you are in control, but you are actually not in control. You are not. Why you are still doing what you're doing is because you've not realized it yet. The moment you realize I'm actually not in control, there's someone that holds a remote on my life. He's just allowing me to press the buttons. You know now, you know what it means now? Somebody is holding remote control of your life. But I say, okay, humor yourself, press the button. Because you want to press it. And that's how he is. I want to press the button. But he's the one that knows which button to press. It's true. It's true. You know, there was a woman called Hannah. 
No, because many people, yeah, I think, you know, this is also the problem because the world imposes this kind of thing on you that makes you value some certain things so much. For example, marriage. Yeah, Paul's prayer in 1 Corinthians 7 was, I wish you would be like me, meaning not married. That was his prayer. He said, I wish you were like me. That's his prayer. Can you imagine? If you go and meet someone and say, I, I wish... I wish you'd be like Paul. Say, God forbid, I reject it. You get to Fiaqua. Back to sender. He said, I wish you were as I. In other words, I wish you were not married. I pray you'll be like me, Seth. You're not married. And hey, Jesus, every arrow, every, hmm, hey, this one is vigil. Every Pauline power, I back to, cast out, bind, enter the sea, go. Should I, show, should I show you? Someone is like, ah, let me show you. Let me show you. First Corinthians 7. Verse 7, it says, It says, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man has his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows. So he's talking about the married. Are you seeing that? He says, It is good for them if they abide even as I. Are you seeing that? He's saying, If you can handle it, don't get married. This is Paul. By the Spirit of God. For some say, hey, it's Paul now. What does Paul know? It's the Spirit of God inside Paul talking. And he said, even as I. Look at it here. He says, look at that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried. Who's unmarried here? Y'all. <laughs> Not permitted. Y'all. Yes, y'all. He says, and widows. So that means... Man will say a beakpa or a beakpa. That means husband died. Widows or widowers. That is, you are not married. He says, "What? It is good. So it is good. So it is good." They don't want to say it. See, she's looking at me. The naji. Say it is good. Yes. What does society tell you? Hey, you are not married. How old are you? Ninety. You are not married. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. You're not married. Hey, I have 23. Hey, you're not married. See, pressure. As if marriage is an accomplishment in life. Pressure. So you say, you're not married? You're not married? You're not married? See, mother, the girl is just 15. Bring your bring husband home, oh. yeah? Where's your, start bringing my home, oh. bring my home. Who's your boyfriend? You not see mother. Who's your boyfriend? Who's your boyfriend? You don't have a boyfriend. What's wrong with you? Don't you have a body? What's wrong with you? Somehow, in our society, some things have been wired into our minds from day one. You understand? What has wired into our mind? It is bad if you are not what? Married. So you see a person living life just to get married. But you are looking at the scriptures here. Paul is saying that, look, if you are not married, look, it's even good if you, don't, if you don't marry. And he has a reason for it. Are you seeing that? Because you see that you've been wired a certain way. 
but there's a way that God actually thinks. There's a, yes, and Paul is saying that if a person here, you understand. And we're going to read it. You'll see that, um, what do you call it? You, you, you actually see that if a person decides, I say, I'm not, there's a reason, I'm going to show you the reason that the person decides, I don't want to get married. Because of this particular reason, they are seen that it is holy, acceptable, pleasing to God. God is happy with it. Yes. So many people, the wiring in their head, because, you know, so, yeah, yeah, I know that, for example, in Genesis, the Lord said, be fruitful, multiply, and everything. So normally, I know people who have a desire, but, the Lord, but there's a reason here. The Lord is saying, if you decide to marry, fine. If you decide not to marry, still fine. Do you understand what I'm saying? But for the world, the ones who live for themselves, live, you understand, the pressure is there. They are living for survival, living for what the world tells them. You must marry! You see that they will do anything. You know, you see them, some of them will go to church today, tomorrow, Baba. You understand? Collect this one from church, collect anointing one from pastor, collect egg from Baba. Mix the two. Shark it. I'm unmarried. 2019, my year, I'm unmarried. What's driving you? You want to please yourself. Yes. Because the Lord puts it, even tells you why. <laughs> you understand? He explains some things to you. Look at the next verse. He says, he says, but if they cannot contain themselves, let them marry. <laughs> if they cannot contain themselves, let them marry. And this resonates with what he said in verse 2. He says, Verse 2, it says, nevertheless, to avoid... Okay, from verse 1, it says, Now, therefore, concerning the things whereof I wrote of, to you, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That touch them means sexually touch a woman. A man who is not married, sexually touch a woman. Verse 2, it now says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. As I said, to avoid knacks. <laughs> Illegal knacks. To avoid it. Yeah. He says, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Are you seeing that? So he gives you a motive. He gives you a motive. Say you want to marry. This is one of the reasons you should consider. If you don't have this, if this thing is not doing you, please, born for the Lord. But if you realize that when you are looking at Sister Rose, eh, that you tremble. It's not demons trembling at your presence. Something is trembling. <laughs> You realize there's a trembling somewhere. He says, by all means, you understand, don't deceive yourself. You get what I'm saying? There's reasons. You get Our reasons are not the world's reasons. Because for the world, if your body is doing you, enter what? Enter brother. Our reasons are not their reasons. We don't do things the way they do it because we live for someone else. He says, he died that henceforth we who live, we who now live. You understand? Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live my own life anymore. Someone else is in charge. The life I'm living is not my own. That life, the life I had before was taken away. Before I got saved, I was dead. Do you know what makes you born again? Do you know why they use the statement born again? Maybe you don't understand what it means to be born again. Born again means actually to be born from death. So in Ephesians 2, his Bible tells us that when that he died, that we died with him. When he was raised up, we were also raised up with him. In fact, Christ is the first person to get born again. He was born from death. As he went and died for all our sins, he emerged a new person. 
and he was the first. Another Bible calls him first begotten from the dead. The first one. He comes up, you understand, he's the first one. He is the proton. The first. When he says, you know, <laughs> when the Bible says he's the first fruit of creatures, it doesn't mean he's the when he says, older brother. It's not really like an older brother. It's not an older brother. You understand? But he's the prototype. Amen? All of us now become like him. He's the first. So he now comes. So everyone that will go through that process by believing, believing you are, Bible says we are buried with him in baptism, you understand, and we are raised. So when you come up by believing, you believe in him, and that old life is gone, you come up. You are coming up with a new life. It is no longer you who lived before. There is a new person that has been born. You are born from death. So that old life you had does not exist. The old life you had, the life of self, is gone. You don't have it anymore. The moment you said, Lord Jesus, I'll make you Lord of my life, that word Lord became a reality. He now is the Lord. And even if you are misbehaving now, you will know it in eternity that he's the Lord. Lord means one that instructs you, one you take instructions from. You have a Lord over you. You have a commander. Lord means you don't dictate your own path anymore. He tells you which way to go. He tells you what to do. But it's a lot of love also. That's why I began this teaching from love. Amen? Yes. He's the Lord. He's in charge. He's over you. So let me even say it. If by strict instructions that Lord tells you you're not going to marry, don't marry. You know, there's one of you deciding, you know, I feel whole body, man, don't marry. Don't worry. Yeah, and I'll show you the reason why you should not marry because some people just want to marry, don't want to marry for selfishly stupid reasons. I'll just adopt a child. I'll just get pregnant. I'll just, I'll just be, you know, I'll just be. <laughs> some women don't want to marry. No man will tell me anything to do. No man will tell me anything to do. He won't tell me anything to do. No man, no man, no man, no man. I don't want to marry. You are still, in, you are still wrong because you are not in alignment to his reasons. You're not in alignment is good. That's not why a person stays single. You don't stay single because they're running from submission. Because the same woman will go and submit to her boss. She will go and submit to her submission, submission. Don't, don't look at me like that. Submission. You see, a boss that is very, very crazy. A boss can even be totally chauvinist, totally biased, very. But you see on his birthday, see on Facebook, ever since the day we met you, sir, <laughs> you've been moving us from height to height in this company. If you see the kind of tower cake they will make, because you know if you don't do it, God help you, keep, don't keep that job. In that marriage, and that one, the submission is even a willing thing. It's not even like, you understand, it's not like you don't have a choice. It's not, it's not submission in marriage is not like, don't submit, you'll kick you out. It's, there's nothing like that. You understand? No, no, God, no man can tell me what to do. No man, no man, no man. No man can tell me what to do. No man. No man. Jesus. No man. See your neck. No man, no man. No man. Shut up, my friend. You're not your own, my friend. Are you, are you yes. Same way it's going to be the will of God. You don't, you say, even come and say, I don't care about these things. The Lord said, my friend, marry. He said, in fact, he said, marry, I don't have anybody. He said, see him there. He <laughs> 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 said, see him there. <laughs> yes. 
It's not your will be done. Do you understand? It's thine will be done. It's not your choice to make anymore. Yes. It's not your choice to make. And you will find out intensely. It was never your choice. You will find out. Because when you now stand before, you know you're not seeing him now. I think, I love my life. I love, you're doing anything. You gotta stand before him. And you see the guy there standing. How far? <laughs> your throat's gonna be dry. <laughs> and you make and taste your saliva. Ah, Lord. Um, how far? Give me an account. Ah, that account. That account. <laughs> that account. I am You know, but what a knowledge works like that. Bam, you're everywhere like pictures. Say, shit, I messed up. <laughs> I messed up. It's not your, it's not your, not your choice. Some, there are many things that you think are in your control that are not. What if his will is for you, is to, for you to go and die in a far country among people that you don't know? Guess what? It's not your choice. But you know why he's even good? Why he's good? Because in his goodness, he'll give you desires. If he's, if he's your destiny, like in marriage life, put something up today. Like a marriage lesson, you understand, who came to a place with skin color that she, and she died among them. She lived here, gave her life, left everything she knew, and came and gave her life for that cause. One woman. All things you hold there to, she discarded them. Why? It's the will of the king. I know the way the, way the king does it. The king puts his desires inside you. He doesn't just say, do this. He puts the desire inside you. Some people are thinking of your lives. <laughs> Look at that. It says, if they cannot marry, let them marry. If they cannot continue, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Amen. To burn, baby. <laughs> yes, it says, you can't even feel to yourself. Just go mad. Of course, you'd be stupid to just go and marry only for that reason. Amen. Look at what he says here. He says, um, that's first. Because this, this whole first, if you want to understand marriage, first Corinthians 7, read it in several versions. Give you some depth. <laughs> you will understand a lot of things. Just study, you will understand this concept of marriage. You know? Um, let me see. Okay. Because mm. it says, verse 28, it says, If you have married, you have not sinned. And if, you, if a woman marries, she has not sinned. You know? But it says this, it says, Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. So it's saying that if you marry, you shall have what? Troubles in the flesh. There are things you have a lot of issues. And, you know, yes. It's actually easier not to be married. Paul was saying yes. Paul said, it's easier not to be married. It's actually easier, much easier. Hey, this one I'm preaching this to me. I want my daughter to get married. Because this one faces already looking at saying, yes, I, I like what you're saying, sir. I like, <laughs> I like, sir, sir, you are just speaking my mind. Well, don't worry, I'm coming to one place there where there's a comma. I'm coming to the comma. There's always a comma. I'm coming to the comma. It says, you have trouble in the flesh. You understand? There will be lots of, and he explains that. He says, because he even said verse 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remains that both they that have wives, they should be as those that, those that don't have any. 
So he's saying, if you are married, he's saying that there's, a, there's actually a state God wants you to be in. That if you are not married, it's much easier to be in that state. So even if you are married, don't say you are married, so I cannot do this, I cannot burn from the kingdom. Even as you might say, be as someone that is not married. Do you understand? He's saying that. So there's a state he wants you to be in, and I'm going to show you. You understand? So he says, um, says verse, okay. Um, let me just read this. And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they, are, they, are, they be possessed. He says, and they that use this world not as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passes away. But 32, he says, but I have you, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Are you seeing this? Mm-hmm. So he's saying the person that is not married, he says, what cares for what? The things of the Lord. Are you seeing that? He says, how he may what? How he may what? Please the Lord. In other words, it means that the person who is not married, his focus is on Jesus alone. So he's just giving here the reason for being single. When he says that, I wish you were like me, what he was trying to say is, I wish you were like me because I have total control, total focus on this assignment. I'm not thinking about a family. I'm not thinking about kids. If I have to die for just tomorrow, I'm not considering my kids. If I have to go to a far country, I'm not thinking, would they suffer? Uh, who will pay fees? I'm not thinking anything. That's why he says you will have trouble in the flesh because there will be all these cares. The Bible talks about cares of the world. You understand? Ah, this one, that one. There will be many things like distractions. He says the man here cares for the things. He says how he may please the Lord. I see that this aligns with what we saw in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, which is what? He died that you don't live for yourself. In other words, it means that if you are single, your number one ambition and goal is to live for the Lord. In the Bible says, even the one who is married, it should still be that number one ambition. But God, you will see that God actually understands that when you get married, you will have divided attention. You will. So, you see, there's a will of God in a particular area. So, you want to be single? <sighs> there's a reason. There's no single. Why? I can travel the world. <laughs> you know, just do what I want to do. No. Is a reason so that you can be a second poor, so you can be a suicide bomber for Christ, <laughs> so that all your energy and effort, because people will say, I'm single, I have a career, a foolish person, you will burn your life on it. That's why you're single. Quite foolish. No. God says, if you are single, it should be for a reason. The singleness is meant and will born. Uh, no distract, nothing. So like God says, wake up this morning, I begin entry, enter bus, we're going to K2. And you know, you just go and harass people there. That's why. Yes. Do you remember there was a certain woman that got married, Hannah? She got married to a man for about seven years. The man died. After that, she was married when she was a, like a teenager. Maybe the man died when she was in her early 20s. And after that, she devoted her life. You understand? Because she was an intercessor, a person of prayer. And she gave her life about 84 years. I think when, she, when the Lord had come, she was about 84 or 90 something, so, but she had given at least about 70, 80 years. And all she was, the Bible says she departed not from the temple night and day. Her life was given to one cause, which was what? To pray the Messiah into the world. That was her life. Her life assignment, one task. Can you imagine that? That just meant friends, <laughs> social life, many things. And I wonder, is that every, can you imagine everything you're doing for 70, 80 years? is to go to the secret place. <laughs> go there and pray. She was in the temple. She lived, I mean, she had accommodation inside the temple. <laughs> it's like your church, they give you. 
a room that, that's just your accommodation. So she comes out, she eats, sleeps some days, she can go several days without food or sleep or anything. And she's just praying, just praying, just praying, just praying. She didn't marry again. She didn't marry again. What was the use of marriage for someone like that? I would say it's not God that killed her husband. You understand? However, who knows? It's not God, sorry. It's not God. Uh -huh. uh, the who knows there is that in the end, because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, that woman probably had that call even before she got married. She had that assignment already before she even got married. Or maybe after her husband died, she took it seriously. Because there's no way you have a husband and you say, the Lord is telling me to just be in his temple to just worship night and day. My friend, come back here. <laughs> Soup, the fire. Come back. Come on. I want this night. Come back here, Joe. What are you doing? Uh, 8 o'clock. You not come back. Honey, honey. Next thing. She's not picking my call. Call the pastor. Say, priest. <laughs> I priest. I know she's there. She's there. I'll be. She's like, call her. She's my wife. Call her. She must come back to this house. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to pick her up. What's that? What? You understand? You would have divided. Look at it. He says, Verse 33 says, But he that is married cares for the things that are of this world, how he may what? Please his wife. So you're married, what happens? Your, your, your priorities change, you understand? God is still number one, but then there's this place where ah, you do not marry yourself. Are you with me? You don't marry yourself. You married a woman, you married a man. And so there will be a place where you, you actually, you are, you are, are you seeing this, that part of marriage, the purpose of marriage is to please one another? Are you seeing that? Yes, in marriage, one of these is to please one another. Yes, it's to be there, to be there for one another. Yes, companionship, friendship, sex, all those things, yes. In marriage, yes, part of it. Of course, bearing children, responsibility for the children. Somebody saying, if you like, say everything till tomorrow, I'll still marry. <laughs> Nothing will change my mind. It's made up. Please, I'm not seeking to convince you otherwise. Me, I'm married. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm married though. Life is sweet. <laughs> I'm married. So, you understand? But it says that. My point is just that your standard for doing things is different because of who you belong to. Your reason for doing things is different. And even that, the one who be you belong to can actually decide to go a certain way. It says don't marry or, or marry, regardless of anything that's written out here. He says, don't marry. He says, marry. And many times you can know the will of God by certain desires that begin to come to your heart in spiritual activities or spiritual atmospheres. One way you can know, yes. There's a verse of scripture in the book of Psalms that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you your heart desires. Now you may think it means what I want, he will give me. Uh -uh. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you your desire. He will give you desires. He gives you his desires. They become your desires. Yes. That is why a person who is following Jesus born and you realize there are things you just want to do. There's zeal and passion to follow Jesus. There's passion to serve God. There's passion for those things. That is a Christian who is functioning correctly. If you are a believer who does not have passion, you don't have any desire for the things of God. The work of, no, no, something's wrong with you. You have been feeding yourself on something that's giving you counter desires. You are too plugged into the world system to have godly desires. How can you have godly desires when you're always on movies? How can you have godly desires when you're not in, you don't pray? You don't have any time with God. You don't have time with the brethren. You will not have 
Godly desires. You will not know God's will. One way we know the will of God is the desires that come. You understand? If you came to Mark and came out, you know there's a desire to preach. There's a desire to pray. There's a distance that desires. You understand? Yes. There's this there. It's there. There will be a desire. Delight yourself with the Lord. He will grant you desires. They are there. Yes. So even things like marriage, even things like career, the different things. God wants to lead you in every area. There's no area that should be exempt. Yes. He will lead you in every area. You know, even in down to food, he can even tell you, I don't want you to be eating this right anymore. He can tell you. He can tell you for the next four days, I want you to eat all the fruit. Can tell you to fast. You are not the Lord anymore. <laughs> you surrendered. You know the fun thing, even when you're not born again, you are under a Lord. Because someone said, I was a Lord. That you being the Lord of yourself was surrendering to a Lord. There's a Lord called the devil that hid behind you, hid behind self, hid behind it. So you were serving yourself, serving him. There's no way a person who said, I think I said it in summer camp now, when you see um, Satan. The same Peter had just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood, no river that you be my father in heaven. Meaning that he was under an influence at that point. The Lord influenced him and he prophesied and spoke. Next thing, just begins to say, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. They will take me. They will do this, do this. Say, hey! He grabbed the guy, took him aside and said, no. What rubbish is that? He dressed the guy down. He says, far be from you. Stop talking rubbish. You are young. 33, you will not die. How can you die? Hey, God forbid. Your villagers will not see the light of the... You, I, and the Lord just recognized Satan, descend Satan, because Satan is always found in selfishness, in self. He descends, says, hey, get the bam, Satan. And let me say this, that's why even when you listen to people, your friends, parents, and different people, and you begin to see self inside there, you should be able to descend Satan too. And in your heart, say, get the bam, Satan, this is not the will of God. It's not everything that they say that, that, that's sounding good for you. For example, they, who told you by force you must travel abroad? Who told you? You may, oh, do you understand? It could be the will of God. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, there are many Nigerian kids that are abroad that should not be there. There are many. Many. Plenty. If parents, if those parents are listening to the Lord, their children will not be drug addicts today. They will not be the things that they are today. They are listening to the Lord. Some people don't want to relocate. We must leave this country. We must leave the country. Have you ever you sat down to inquire? Because people don't understand that their lives are plugged into his life. They don't understand that. So, my life, yes. What's his will concerning, you know, fellowship? What's his will concerning taking responsibility, raising disciples? What's his will? His will is the word. The word is go and make disciples. Let me even say this. God wants to get to a point in your life that you don't this. Some people, one doesn't die account, just spend anyhow. That's not a disciple of Christ. No. God wants you to get to a point whereby when money enters your account, you're just like, ah. you check on your inside first. Can I spend it or not? There's some money that God can tell you keep aside for 10 months. You don't know why. Because <laughs> he's Lord in that area too. Yes, you don't just spend your money. As the money just landing there, you've already, you've already given the place in Mega Chicken. Given the place in KFC. Given it, you understand, in shoes. Given it, you already behave like that. Understand, no. 
No, 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 keep this one aside. He said, Lord. He said, Lord. And the scriptures clearly tell you to give. So now you don't even need him to tell you, my son, my daughter. It's already in scriptures. Paul said that the first day of every week, first Corinthians, I think uh, that's what is it, 11. However, it says the first day of every week, or second Corinthians, Corinthians 7 or 8. It says the, no, 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 first Corinthians, one of the two, sure. So the first day of every week, it says, lay aside, as you have been prospered, lay aside something, you know, that there be no gatherings when I come. So at the first day of every week, now that was, there were regular meetings, and he expected that in all those meetings, as you were getting, you were supposed to lay something aside for the work of the Lord. He, it is his mandatory. So a believer who doesn't do that is walking in disobedience already. You don't have to hear a voice. Daughter, hey! I'm here, Lord. Speak, Lord. The person who does that is the person who is dead spiritually. They're waiting for a voice. That's a dead person. Someone was a dead man. Had a voice. No, we are led. Amen? There's desires that the Lord leads us with. There's a word he leads us with. And the word says, say, Lord, should I give? What does the word say? Just travel because you want to travel. The time comes when, where you, if you are traveling, you are attaching. Let me, is you attach? I would love to go to this place for vacation, <laughs> but you give God the tag. You say, when I go there, don't worry, I'll arrange some souls for you. And then he will now, you now bring it to him. He now says, okay, should you go? Should you? He's the one that says, okay, you can go, but you attach souls to you. Don't just go there. That's a, an irresponsible, reckless life. Why did he die for you? The Bible says you are bought with a price. Let's look at that. You know, it says you are bought with a price. That should be First Corinthians chapter six. From verse, from verse 18. Okay. From verse 15, it says, Know you not that you are, your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. When it says members of a harlot, what is he trying to, he's trying to explain to explain that we are, we, are, we are going to say that we are purchased, you understand? Should I go and make members of something else? Someone bought you. He says, what? He says, verse 16 says, what? You know, so imagine that's Paul. After he said that, people were like, oh. I mean, everyone else kept going, oh. say, what? That's Paul, yeah. Say, what? Question mark, what? Say, don't you know? That he which is joined to a harlot is one body, for the two says he two shall be one flesh. Verse 17. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now look at the point. You are already joined to the Lord, you cannot be joined to a harlot. Are you with me? It's not like if you join and sleep with a woman, you become one. No, no, no. He says the two shall become one flesh because God uses marriage to actually teach about his relationship with the church. That is why he says, Love your wife, love, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's actually the interpretation of what he said in Genesis, where he says the two shall become one flesh. The two shall come on flesh. He used it to teach when he was in Corinthians, in Corinth, in First Corinthians 17. He used that to teach, you understand, the union between us and Christ. He says, husband, love your wife. I, Christ, love the church and died for her. 
you understand he used that to teach so in as much as yes they become in common union it's not some people call it a soul tie there's nothing like soul tie from the bible please there's nothing like soul tie is that there's no word like it in the bible self soul tie that's me say when you praise god let me go on you know but there's <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that however i also tell you that that when a person goes does something like that something like guilt can come Satan can find an opening in such things you understand so and god help you if you now no let me not scare you don't worry <laughs> so it says verse 18 flee fornication every sin that a man does is outside the body but he that commits fornication sins against his own body you know i did not understand this for a long time what do you mean sins against his own body what does that mean my body sin against it why what 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 but then the next verse now clarifies it says what so paul again says what this is little john back in those days what some of you were not born to see that era of what so us old people anyone you know little john you guys also lit back in those days ah little john what so he says so he says best that he says, what know you not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost so when he says that you sin you know, he says before you sinned against what? You sinned outside the body, but this one is against your own body. What is he saying? He's actually explaining about trespass. In other words, here he's explaining the first thing, that, which is that the person, right, the body you have is not your own in the first place. So when you are committing something, you are doing something that the body should not do. Do you get? It's like using, you are, what's the word? It's called, what's that word when you do something that should not be done with something? abuse you understand it's an abuse why it's not your own do you get it's not yours in the first place so you say if you are committing sins those ones are relational to other people and other things but this one is against your body it's not permitted the one who owns the body does not permit it you understand what i'm saying so it's already a sin and that's the reason why it's a sin there are other reasons but that's the major reason why it's a sin fornication sleeping with someone who's not your husband or wife it says you are violating the terms and conditions of this body do you understand? He now says, he now says, um, and you are not your own. He says, for you are bought with a price. You are bought with a price. So it means that every single one of you here is blood bought. Every single one of us, we are bought. So when you are bought, do you own you? You don't own you. So just because you've been given free will so you can still choose to do as I said, the remote is the one that has the remote that allows you to press it because you are pressing the remote don't deceive yourself that you own it you don't own the body you don't own yourself you understand what i'm saying you don't own yourself see i bought the price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit so in other words we bring glory to god by what how do we bring glory to god we glorify god by understanding the fact that we are servants that we don't belong to ourselves that's how you glorify god you don't belong to yourself it is from here everything flows whether it's service to god whether it's giving whether it's walking in love you don't own yourself and it's a good thing because some people think ah oh, hey i don't own myself again oh. ah all those things i used to do i can't do them again oh. you, you you are pitting yourself meanwhile god is celebrating god sees that liberty that you have been liberated from owning yourself you understand from owning your own life you have to say own your life right own your life they just mean take responsibility. But the truth about it is that there is one who is ultimately responsible for you. Do you understand? Yes. 
you know, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, my father, right? I'm the vine, you are the branches. My father is the, is the vine dresser and everything. He now says, now, look, think about this. He said, everyone who does not bear fruit, you know that if you look at that verse, it says he takes away. But I've explained before that that verse, that word in the Greek is ero. Ero means he, means he bears up, actually. It doesn't mean he takes away, he cuts off. It means he bears you up. And the Bible says that those who bear fruits, he prunes. Prunes mean that he helps you to become more productive. You understand? Uh-huh. So, now look at this. If you are the branches, right? And the branches bear fruit and he is the vine. Now, what bears the branches? What bears the branches? The vine. Right? Meaning that ultimately, the person responsible for you bearing fruit is who? The vine is him. That is why the one that does not bear fruit, he does not cut off. He what? He what? He t- bears up. In other words, he helps. So you're not bearing fruit. You're not productive in your Christian life. You're not, you know, he helps you. The one who bears fruit, the one who's produ- producing, he takes. So let me say this. God takes responsibility for you whether you are doing what you should do or not. He's responsible for you. Do you understand? When we say my life is not my own, your life is not your own anymore. Why? So someone can take responsibility. Do you understand? If a person buys a house, I'm not going to go and clean the house for him. Do you understand? When you are bought at the point of his ownership of you, you understand? His responsibility began. You're not just bought, but you're his child. A father is responsible for his children. So when you say surrender, what are you doing? What, what, what is surrender? Surrender is you saying that I choose to let him take responsibility for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? The same way if you give birth today, you do not let your child, your, your child cannot tell you what, to, what he wants. Do you understand? Think about it like that. If you, get, if you have a child tomorrow, your child cannot tell you what he or she wants. Your child cannot say, I want a stone to put in my mouth and you allow the child. No matter how nice, maybe it's a marble, shiny marble. Ah, that, 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 marble. Yeah. And carries it. Ah, no matter how that child desires that marble, no matter, will you let the child put it? You will never do that. You know what I'm saying? You will never do that. Why? Because you know better. Do you get? So it means you take responsibility. It's the same thing with God. When God says, let your will, you know, when he gives instructions, it is because he's responsible. He bears responsibility for you. From responsibility, he gives instructions. Don't do this. Do this. Do that. You understand? He, he has his word. His word tells you, do this. You understand? You know, stay, stay in fellowship with other believers. You understand? Grow, pray, all those things. He is by ins- you think he's a burden, but by instructions, he's bringing you under a covering. By instructions, he's bringing you under an influence. By instructions, he's protecting you, taking responsibility. When you become responsible, you understand? For a child, you will understand that responsibility comes with instructions. You get what I'm saying? Yes. It is also the reason why a husband can tell his wife what to do in many situations. Why? Because he's responsible. Do you get what I'm saying? So submission is not, um, is not bondage. Submission in Christ is responsibility. It's love. I love you. And it comes out of, last why it says, love your wife like Christ of the church. So it is born out of pure motives. Yes. It's responsibility. That's why when you yield to God, you like surrender. You have to realize your surrender is for your own good. I surrender. You understand? Not my will, yours be done because you know best. You understand? You are responsible. 
The same Lord that tells you, for example, to give is responsible for you, to take care of you. So he tells you give. It is part of him helping you. I don't know who this message is for. Amen? But I believe that everyone is to hear this. To hear it. You understand? It's not about me. It says, my will. No, no, it's not your will. You know, my will, my, what I want. No, you are never, you're not designed, you're not designed, you understand, to live by what you wanted. You are designed to live by what he wants because he's responsible. Now, does it mean that all your desires die? No. That you have a will. There are legitimate desires you have. God allows you to have desires. Amen? Hey, when you're about to eat what you ate this morning, you not hear a voice from heaven come and tell you with flaming torch, they could touch that roasted yam. Uh, you didn't hear a voice. However, the same Lord can still come and say, you know what, daughter, son, I don't want you to eat, to eat today. I want you to stay with me today. I don't want you to eat. And you understand that daddy knows best, right? You understand that, no, he has me at heart. Many people don't follow the will of God because they don't understand these things I'm saying. They don't trust God. Yes. And so back to relationships, the Lord says, wait. The Lord tells you, wait. It's not time. You think you're doing yourself a favor by rushing? No. He knows why he's telling you, wait. He knows. Or there's someone you like. The Lord says, not this person. Say, but, but, but they taught us now. They taught us. Look at it. He says, no, calm down. I'm going to lead you to the person I want you to have. You understand? Yes. Very, very simple. Oh, I wanted to go to this school. And he says, no, not that school. He says, not that school. You understand? He says, not that school. He says, I'll give you the school you should go to. You know, sometimes you're giving... Sometimes you are preaching and you are prophesying at the same time and you don't know. At least I'm prophesying, but, <laughs> you know. But don't be worried about the choices when it comes to schooling. You understand? Don't be worried about the choices when it comes to schooling. Don't be worried about the choices. You understand? Because I see that you there's the particular course you know, okay, I see that, I think we've discussed this before, you want to study something about computer and all that stuff, something about computer, you understand, almost like I see like engineering being added to the name of computer, like computer engineering or something like that, which is what you did not consider before. Am I, you do not, I see like engineering being added to computer, because what you wanted was computer something, but I see like engineering being added to the word. Pray about it though, but I see engineering being added to the word, you understand? Uh, so I'm going to hold my shirt. Say, sir, you said. <laughs> so we're careful, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. But I see that. I see, I see something like that being added to, you understand? I see being added, like, being like an addition, kind of being added, you understand? Mm-hmm. And the timing will be right because it's almost as if I see even while you're studying that, you still have the opportunity to study something on music. You understand? Because I'm seeing you. I'm preaching. I'm teaching, right? I was teaching. Let me leave. No, God, that will rest in your room. <laughs> Amen. I see him playing. I just see him playing. I see him playing. I see him, you know, going into things like sound engineering. 
yeah sound engineering and you know music all these technical aspects of sound almost like why yeah that is where i think i'm seeing a, a correlation between the computer and the, and the music it's like there's an engineering aspect of it you understand uh -huh. i'm even seeing things like you know like this equipment that has turntables and stuff like that you get i see I just see like a mix of certain things. It's not like it's just one particular thing you would do. I see an overlap of disciplines. So I see something with computer, something with music, something with science, kind of. I see an overlap of all three. And even a fourth one coming, like an engineering something that is overlapping, you understand? So you are a multidisciplinary person, you are not. And I see even some of those things extending to your master's and even eventually a PhD. But I see different disciplines, you understand? Uh, because it's not just going to be that you sing, but I see you going to production. You understand? The production of music. Music production. Music production and everything. Having your own studio one day and some of these other things. I see you going to a lot of things. Because I've given you a spirit of art. I've given you an artistic spirit. You understand? An artistic guy is expressed more with music, expressed more with these things. But he says you will see how all these things will come into play in the future. You understand? You will. Almost like that thing that was on Bezaleo, I see it on you. It's like a creative spirit. Creative spirit. Father. Ah, hallelujah. You know, someone said that Jesus did not know what was what a believer's meeting was called. As he was just there teaching, ministering, going about his day. What a knowledge was flowing. That's how he was doing it. Uh -huh. So it's normal. Amen? Amen? It's normal for you to be talking with your friend and bump into prophecy. You understand? It's normal. In fact, if it's not happening in your life, you should cry out. It's true now. If all the words you are speaking are your own words and nothing is inspired, you're a dead man. It's true. The words, I should be able to talk while talking and I'm so conscious of the fact that my words are life. My words are life. I talk to you and the next things I'm speaking the counsel of the Lord to you and prophesying. You understand? Even in my jokes. What do you think? Yes, and that's why you have Christian brethren and friends because you are a body. So there are times when you will not speak, God will not speak directly to you, but you will have a godly conversation talking about even food and the next thing turns into tongues. Next thing turns into something else. The next thing you just realize you are, you are speaking of things that normally would not come to your mind. You say, have you been feeling, feeling sick for a while? You say, how did you know? Oh, be healed, be healed, you know? Yeah. And that's why in a church, in a body, nobody should have lack and others don't know about it. It's the truth. In fact, if a body who works in the spirit, before you have a lack, someone preempts and gives you, supplies that lack. Many times the reason why we have lack in our lives is because we don't walk in love and we're not sensitive to the spirit of God. Because it's one thing to be sensitive to the spirit of God, another thing to walk in love. Because at times the Lord prompts you and says, do this and do that. But because you are not walking in love, you will not fulfill the desires that are put in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And because of that, then you will not see a manifestation of meeting the need of someone else by the spirit of God. It's the ministry of the saints, the ministry of the saints. When the saints come together, I say it's part of this yieldedness, it's part of surrender. When you've learned about surrender, you've learned to surrender, you've learned to give up, and you realize that your money is not your own, and you realize that you are a body, meaning you are connected, you, then you will trust me, first of all, by giving, and second, by receiving. You will trust me by giving. Secondly, you will trust me by being able to receive from others. Because even if you have a million dollars in your account, the Lord says, I still want to bless you through other people. 
Yes. He says, so don't build a castle on your money. He says, for these things fade away. Don't build a castle for your money. These things fade away. And God wants that kind of connection. He wants that. So today, today you are the one giving. Yeah, that's why I said the believer cannot be uh, wealthy in quotes. Because even if you are wealthy, if you are a millionaire, you give him millions. Millionaire, you give him billions. You can have a billion dollars in your account today and tomorrow you have zero in your account because you give it away. And then somebody should also be able to give to you. Because we are a body. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, is there any question concerning what I've explained? Concerning the will of God? Is there any question anyone has? Question? I'll be on that mad of a teacher that I've just killed everything, every, swept the cap F as in, uh -huh, uh -huh. I knew it. Please go ahead and ask. Start one by one, please. <laughs> No, they did not. They never. You see, when the Bible says, uh, you're dragging me in one direction, when the Bible said that, now you almost understand why the Bible was written, right? Luke 24, verse 25 says, You set the scriptures. No, no, no. That's John 5 39. It says, You set the scriptures for them. You think you, them, you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me, but you will not come to me to have life. So, in other words, the scriptures were about who? Christ. Then you have Luke 24, verse 25, and says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he says, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, this guy called Jesus opened the entire Old Testament, and the theme running through the whole thing was Christ, which is what he suffered, meaning coming as a man, dying on the cross, and his glory, which was what being raised at the right hand of the Father and bringing us into salvation. That was it. That was the theme of it. So based on that, it means that the books of the Bible are written with that in mind. From Genesis down to Malachi, they are not written to tell us stories, even if there are stories inside. But there is a theme running there. They are written to teach. You understand? So when Moses wrote Genesis, Moses didn't write Genesis primarily to tell you how the world began. In fact, many times following Moses, you realize that archaeology and Moses don't agree. Because he didn't write it for you to understand how the world began. He didn't write it primarily for you to know how old the world is, the planet. Because people will tell you that this planet is millions of years old. Meanwhile, there are new authors that will tell you it's 6,000 years old. You understand? So the question is what's going on? Because that was not the purpose of writing. You understand? The scriptures. So you have something like Genesis, for example. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved around the face of the deep. You understand? And God said, let it be light, and there was light. And I see John, in John, book of John, John chapter 1, you see, it starts, how does John chapter 1 start? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was the God, the Word was God. So he goes back to the same beginning that Moses wrote off. You understand? And he says, in him was life, right? Sorry, Word was the God, right? Uh, what is it? Eh? That's verse 2, Abi. In him was life, are we? And the life was what? The light of men. You see, John, Genesis 1 starts with what? God made heaven and earth so that form and void, and the Spirit of God moved over the face of water, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The question is that, was that the sun? No, because we see the verses down. He said that he created the sun. So what was the light? The light was figurative because John now talks about the light. He said that him was life. In the beginning was the word. The word was the God, the word was God. In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. Are you seeing that? 
So the Bible talks about it, says, and the light shines in the darkness, right? And the darkness comprehends it not. And Genesis 1 said what? In the beginning was, what, you know, the beginning God made the heavens and the earth, and earth was without what? Form and void. You see that? And the Bible calls, you know, uh, you know, and the Bible talks about the light. And the Bible says God separated the light from darkness, right? So you're announcing that the light here is talking about Christ. If you go back to Genesis, you now know that Moses was not writing about literal darkness and literal light, but talking about the state of man in darkness. And talking about Christ as the solution, the knowledge of Christ. That is how he opens Genesis. Are you seeing that? Because the new explains the old. So you cannot use what you see there. Do you get literally to mean that no that's why the new testament has explanations you see them making references to the old testament they make a reference here and say this is what they meant to you now understand that moses was a smart man moses was not just right that's why we see for example he said we've talked about the truth of the garden of eden right so when the bible says it says god made male man and woman in his image you cannot just assume you know why because first of all if we say the theme of christ is running through the entire bible and there is one author for the Bible, which is 66 books, you cannot assume by just reading one place that what you are seeing is what it is. Think of your Encarta book, you know, you have about how many volumes, right? Your encyclopedia, how many volumes, A to Z, right? The same way you have a Bible, all 66 books are actually one author, so it's actually one book. It's not 66 books, it's one book. But different authors, different people who wrote inspired by the same Holy Ghost. The real author is the Holy Ghost, not those people. Paul was not the author of the New Testament. You understand, the real author is Christ. It's the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? So, based on that, for me to understand something, I must have read everything severally and considered everything before I can make a conclusion about anything. So when you say God made man in his image, that's a very troubling statement. When you think about it, if you think that that was man, because if, if God made man in his image and the Bible says in him was life, that means man had life. Right? So where was the tree of life in Genesis? If man had life, where was the tree of life? Do you understand? That tells you that man was, it was what God intended for man. So there was a tree of life. The tree of life was symbolic. It's life. God offered man life. He was offered it. Do you understand? He was offered it. It doesn't mean he had it. Offered. And we see what happened, how it went down in Genesis that man ignored life he chose death so he didn't have the life of God Adam did not he never had the life of God in him because what we were told before was Adam had the life of God and then he gave it over you understand he yielded his authority and then had the life no 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 the life of God is the life of God you cannot have life of God and have life of Satan you cannot lose it because if that's the case, that means that we can lose it too. Do you understand what I'm saying? If Adam had it and lost it, and then we got it back again, that means we who have gotten it can lose it again. We can't lose the life of God. So we can safely say that Adam existed in a state whereby he was either, he was neither with the life of God or, you understand, dead. He was in a state where he had to make a choice. And the Bible says that that life is in his son, in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? That life, you understand? So it was basically Adam having to choose whether he was going to come under God's, you understand, will, come under God's dependence, come, you know, go align with the way God wanted things done or go his own way. That was the temptation. He went his own way. Going his own way meant he ignored the life. He left the life, you understand? 
Bible says God has given that there will be life in his son. There's no life outside Christ. In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. And the light shines in darkness. The darkness, darkness cannot comprehend it. So Moses wrote, don't worry, next week we'll be looking at some of these things. Moses wrote, you understand, Moses wrote, Moses' writings were very messianic. So when he wrote, he didn't just write, when you're reading, that's how you can read there, you just miss it there. You'll read and say, ah, who was Cain's wife? All this, you'll be missing all those things. <laughs> but Moses did not write it for you to be looking at history. No, that's not why he wrote it. In fact, even the story of Cain and Abel was to teach something. In the, in the epistles, you see how they say, the Bible says Cain was of the wicked one and slew his brother. That's what it was, and they were not trying to talk about, even the Bible in Hebrews, the Bible talks about Abel, right? Why is Abel in, Abel in Hebrews 11? The Bible says that through his sacrifice, he had speaks and everything, that he was justified by his sacrifice. What happened? What happened between Cain and Abel? It was simple. So God, you understand, they came before God, and one brought a sacrifice because the idea of a sacrifice was, I cannot stand before you on my own. I can't do these things my way. Bible calls Abel righteous. Why does Bible call Abel righteous? Is it because he brought the sacrifice, an animal? No. Through the animal, he was actually saying something. I cannot by myself, you understand? I can't stand before you. My righteousness is filthy, you understand? I would need a sacrifice. I would need a sacrifice. So he brought an animal with blood inside, because the Bible says the life of the thing is inside the blood. He brought a sacrifice, an animal. By that, he was showing that. Cain brought the works of his hands. That thing, his own produce, was symbolizing the work of his hands. And the way we know is because God had already shown an animal what to do. When they sinned and everything, what did he, he took an animal, killed an animal, you understand, and clothed them. He already showed them what to do, you understand. But that was a gesture of the fact that, look, don't worry, I've made a sacrifice for you. I've made, do you understand? I've already preempted that this would happen. I have already made provision. Do you understand what I'm saying? All you have to do is accept it. That is what Cain would not accept. And that's why the Bible called, God has some serious words for Cain. He said he was of the wicked one and slew his brother. He says, not like Cain. Called him several names. Those names were not because Cain was a bad man. Those names were because Cain was self-righteous. It's the same thing about Esau. You understand? When Esau sold his birthright, it's not really about selling his birthright. There were some things that the Old Testament symbolized about the future, about Christ. You understand? They were about Christ. All those things that you see someone like Moses, right? You see Moses, for example, leaving Egypt, and your mind is like, okay, he left it because he was in trouble. But Hebrews explains that Moses left, he says, he says, esteeming the reproaches of Christ far better than all the riches of Egypt. He left. So you are seeing that he's leaving his status as the son of um, Pharaoh. You understand was not just because he was in trouble it was really a decision do you understand made because of what was in front of him made to be part of the way the messiah would come he made a decision it wasn't just that but the new testament explains that you just read the old testament you look at it and say uh, this is what it meant no you must read everything that's why we don't believe in apples it's not apple that, that brought <laughs> us you understand it's not apple that brought it into the world it's not all those things are you with me? That is why diligent study is required. You must read everything. Read everything. Read everything. Over and over, you begin to see some certain things, explanations here and there. And just assume. You get. We don't just assume. Amen? So, based on that, so, are you getting what I'm saying? That he didn't have the life of God in the first place. What was the question again? Because I've gone fire. Okay, huh. so number one, they did not have, exactly, they did not have the life of God. Number two, Remember I said something. I said even as a believer, it doesn't mean every desire you have is God. There are desires you normally have naturally because you're human, because you have a will. Do you understand? However, as I said, when you stay with God, 
you fellowship with God, then what happens is that you realize that the will, his will in your spirit begins to come alive. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that everywhere, ah, I feel like eating burger. Ah, Lord, let your will be done. <laughs> you understand? Uh-huh. No, that's not what it means. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So that's the distinction. Okay? And that question? Anyone has a Any other person, if I come back to Ghana, she has like three or four. Any other person has a question? Okay, back to you. Okay, have you read How to Be Led by the Spirit by Kenneth Hagin? Yeah. You've read it, Abby? Read it again. First, yes, read it again. Because there is the witness on the inside. The Bible says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Witness means agreement. Do you understand? So in other words, when something is right, there will be agreement. There's an agreement on the inside. How do you know you're a child of God? There's an agreement on your inside that tells you, yes. When I tell you, you are God's child, there's an agreement, a witness inside that tells you, yes, you are God's child. The same way, when you understand that, Many times when, you know, if I, okay, like, for example, you're out of the devil. <laughs> you realize that there's just, it falls like, it's just water falling on your back, you get. But you're children of God. Notice it again, an agreement. Did you notice that when I said it again? You are children of God. Have you noticed that? You just know that there's an agreement. Did you notice that? It's just a calm, there's an agreement. It's like he sits well. Are you with me? The same way that sits well, there are things that are not of God that when they introduce you the first time, you understand there will be a reaction. There are things that you understand that when it's not God, it's not God's will, and they come, there'll be a reaction. The same way there's a peace, there's also a calm, it sits well. I'm a child of God, you agree. The same way there's also a reaction by the same spirit, there will be a disagreement. You understand? The same spirit. It's called following the inner witness, the leading of the inner witness. And that's why if you are following that witness, you understand. If we've seen someone like that that fits everything that we've spoken about, I just realized the more you are relating with that person, the more, the more you are, you know, the more, you can't put your finger on it. The more you are relating, you know, with that person, at times it just looks like, you get what I'm saying? Now, the thing about that is something you grow over time because you also realize that many cases where you don't feel anything. There are cases where something bad happened and it's not like you had a reaction or something. You know why? Because you were not conscious or sensitive to that reaction. You were not. But when you are conscious of it and you are looking out for it, you are looking out for that leading, you are conscious and looking out for the leading, you are open to the leading, you are, you are conscious and aware of it, you are expecting it, you understand? The more you will live your life every day like that, you realize the more sensitive you are to it. The more you engage yourself in rigorous spiritual activity, you get the more you do that, the more you you will win souls. The more you do, you just realize that there's all this thing. It becomes sharper, sharper because there are people that are here saying, "Eh, but what about it? What about it? What about it? What about this?" You get, hey, but I just say many people are not sensitive to it. Is that thing that, you know, just you know the example, the best example I can ever give about this is always about a relationship I was entered. You get where I was. There's this lady I got. In, this lady today she's in church and wonderful lady, amazing. She's an amazing lady. You know, I, I simply can say, Kai, this is a wonderful lady. Very wonderful, beautiful, everything I like. You understand? Everything I like. Beautiful, everything. Serving the Lord, fervent, good hearts. 
big heart. Someone can drop an empty account for the Lord. That kind of person. I like those kind of people. But the more I interacted with this lady, I liked her. I liked her. But the more I interacted we had, the more I spent time, spoke to her, we met up, hung out. The more we did that, the more I would also realize, honestly, I can't explain it. So now I would just go home and I would just feel bad. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I would just feel bad. Like, ah, what is it now? Ah, it's just this. Oh, ah, ah. Now it may happen a bit differently for someone else. You understand? But it's just this, this easy. You get, ah, Sometimes I'll look at the person and I'm thinking of a lady I think is five star beat. I'll look at her. It's as if she's not, I'm like, what am I even doing around this person? The person is not looking, I don't know, it's not like she's, she just won't look visible to me. I'm like, what's going on? Sometimes they just drop on me. Like, there was one day, finally, the day I let this go. I was, it was a Sunday morning, I was going to see her in church. I was like, that Sunday morning, I was dressing up. This thing did me, it did me like this, did me like this. I said, what? I said, Lord, I'm head. I've heard. I've heard. And that day I just had to go to church, fall aside after service. And I just told her, I said, look, yeah, I believe I'm a believer, but this is what I'm getting on this side. I can't, I can't help it. And I ended it over there. And that's when peace returned. Do you understand? That's the best example. But there are, exa- there are, there are times, okay, for example, the time I spoke about that perfume, right? The perfume, right? It was the same thing. Just this, I call it the reaction. Just this reaction, like, is you can't say this is exactly it. Do you understand? It's, it's a supernatural emotion. It's a supernatural emotion. It's just there. It's just knowing that sometimes it can be there for months. Sometimes it can be very subtle, depending on how much your mind has been renewed. You understand? Sometimes it can be very subtle. You're the kind of person that doesn't care about God. You can just be there and nothing. But when you are more of a God pleaser, you want, I want to please him. It's just be that thing knowing. Like now as I'm talking to you now, there's a person here. You're feeling like a pain. Like it's like right here. Like this discomfort. Just this. Anyone like that here? It's a discomfort. Just the discomfort right here. Anyone like that here? Okay? You're feeling that, right? A discomfort. It's not a physical Yes, but and as that was happening, it's like your mind was going to something, right? Your mind is going to something. Do you know why I feel that discomfort? It's because there's actually something. You that thing is not exactly what you should be doing. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm saying? The Lord is bringing it up to you again for you to just, for you to understand. Is is it the first time you're feeling this? No, it's been annoying at you for like two weeks. Yes, because it's not. Do you get? It's not His will. When you go and let that thing go, you realize that you're free. You realize the feeling will go. That's the leading of the spirit. <laughs> Do you get? <laughs> so as I said, it's, it's something as you follow. I think I've taught on it, but I'll teach on it again sometime. Leading of the spirit. It's not something that every believer has. It's an inward witness. A witness. That's why I use that scripture. It says it says bears witness. Agreement. That is, is a deep agreement or there's a disagreement. And over time, as you spend more time doing that thing you should not be doing or whatever, spend time with that person or whatever, you just realize it begins to intensify, begins to increase. You just realize, you understand, there was a time, you know, and that's why, you know, I think I said something before. I said that the, I said that the, I said that the presence of peace does always mean that it's God. Right? And I said the absence of, me, uh, absence of peace can be God. I think I said that thing before. The presence of peace doesn't always mean it's God. Someone said there's a feel peace about something, it's always God, it's a lie. The presence of peace may not be God. The absence of peace might be God. <laughs> yes. 
There was a certain time I won. There's this. I, I always tell this story years ago. A certain phone. I just bought a phone, BlackBerry, that time. I wanted to buy a phone. My first ever sensible phone from all the useless phones I used in my life. I had to buy a proper phone. Before I bought the phone, I got, because I was schooling in Ghana, I got back to Lagos holiday. I was, oh, I'll buy this phone, buy this phone. As I got back, I was thinking of the phone. <laughs> Lord says, yeah, buy the phone. It's for a pastor. I said, shh. All my peace, all the peace inside me vanished. And it was God. Vanished, vanished. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I was just, I was miserable. You know that God can make you depressed. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of depression that is godly, very godly depression. You just want what is And I was going to come to buy the phone. I was like, which kind of nonsense. <laughs> I bought the phone. I don't look at it. There was no joy. You know that joy you get from a new phone? Zero joy. Look at the phone. I was just sad. But I did something I should not do. I go, I, I was, because I was too, I, I, in my room, I shouted. I said, no, no, I'm not giving them. I just totally went zero against God. I know the way God does those things, that if I gave that thing out, most likely he had already prepared someone else to give me a phone. But you know, you miss it, because you're like, where would I now come from? I said, no, I'm not doing it. No. And that was how I missed it. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So you get it now, right? You get it. Okay, so. Let's roll. Is that all? That's all I mean. Okay. Okay. The, in God's image, you understand? Because if you look at Hebrews, Hebrews explains what Moses meant. Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 1. Let me, let's look at Hebrews 1 or Hebrews 2. Um, um, I, I think it should be Hebrews 2. Okay, so look at Hebrews 2, verse, from verse 6. It says, But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? Verse 7, You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of your hands. Setting him over the works of your hands is what we call dominion, Abby. So when we see in Genesis, when we say, Let them have what's dominion. Let them have dominion. Right? You, will see, you assume that it is in Adam, you get dominion. But look at this. So this is, he's quoting Psalms. The writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalms, which echoed what was said in Genesis. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So it says, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, and this set him over the works of your hand, which is dominion. Verse 8, it says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Are you seeing that? Dominion. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not under him. Are you seeing that? Talking about what? Dominion. The dominion in Genesis. He says, but now we see not yet all things under him. That is Adam. So the Adam that you are talking about, because the reference was supposed to be Adam. He says, but we don't see all things under Adam, under the man that came from Adam, the man that came from Adam, right? But look at eight, verse 9. He says, but we see who? Look at it now, verse 9. Verse, but we see who? 
Jesus. He says what? Who, be, who was made what? A little lower than the angels, meaning he became a man. You understand? For the suffering of death. So that lower than angels means he became a man to suffer death, to die. You understand? Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Are you seeing that? So, look at what, so that means what he's saying, that the real, that verse of scripture, say, let them have dominion, was never talking about Adam, it was the man in Christ. Do you understand? He said, we don't see that thing, all things are under Adam's feet. We don't see it, but we see who? Jesus. So that means David was speaking about Christ, but he used the reference that looked like it was Adam. Are you seeing that? That's why if you, if you didn't read Psalms, if you didn't read Hebrews, you would not assume it's Adam. You understand? Did anyone care what I just explained? It's too complex. No. It's, the explanation is in the, in the New Testament. Because Hebrews says, no, the person who has dominion is Christ. So we who are like him are the ones who have the real dominion. That is the dominion that God spoke about, the life of God inside us. That's the real dominion. Amen? Okay. Any other questions? Are we good? Okay. So, you learned something. Let me see your hand. You learned something. Let me see the hand well. You learned something. 